Bring it in another edition of the Read Option here on a beautiful Monday afternoon on the East Coast with the boys, Scotty Miller and Brian Sanvito. Gentlemen, how are we? It's great back to back pods and lots and lots of football to get into. Action football. This is a baseball season just started, baby. Let's go. Let's go, Giants. Uh, No, I'm stoked, man. It's golf season for your boy. It's golf season, too. Yeah, that was a great tournament over the weekend. Colin Morikawa pulling that one out. But it's baseball season, man. Live a little. It's always football season. It's always football season. Let's talk about the king, and that is football. And even in this time where we have all these other sports, basketball, baseball, golf, hockey, all of these other things going on, I'd still rather talk about the NFL draft coming up. Oh, we, yeah, still have, man. we have FCS too. We have the uh, FCS football. FCS was, FCS was crazy this weekend. North Dakota State losing warmed my heart. It was just. That uh, was big. It but was awesome. JMU the, problem, the now number one team in the country. Just saying. Dope, man. No, the, the now the real problem is that Jackson State isn't playing a game for two weeks. And I had money on that game. And now that's pushed. Like, I don't know what's going to happen to that. So hey, you know, they'll get you see. back. They'll get you back. If it's Barstool and the Dion connection, then we'll get you back. But before, so what we're going to do today is something that I'm, I'm very excited. I came up with this idea the other day. I was talking to you about this guys earlier. Uh, I'm very excited. We're going to do a mock draft fantasy draft, right? Or a mock draft for a mock draft. Like I don't even know exactly how to say it, but basically we're just going around. We're each going to, we're each going to go one, well, one team by team. Uh, we're each going to make a, a pick for that team. We'll talk about it a little bit in between. Uh, there's a lot of stuff to get into with that. I'm very excited. I actually put together my first mock draft that I've ever really done, like start to finish. It's exhausting. Huge credit to the guys who do it on the regular because it, it's definitely not easy. And to be honest, the first round is kind of a crapshoot. Like you'll probably only get, you know, five to 10 of them right. But it does kind of help with figuring out who is going to be where. But guys, before we get into the mock draft stuff, which we're going to get into, and it's going to be the majority of this pod, we do have some NFL news that came across the wire today. And that is J.J. Watt signing with the Arizona Cardinals, which if you had that, like, you, you were in the loop on the way that I don't think any of us thought. Like, I had not heard Arizona linked to him at all. Vito, uh, you missed it, but Scotty and I were talking about the conspiracy theories behind, oh, where's he oh, going to yeah. go? No one had Arizona. It's a two-year deal worth up to $31 million, $23 million guaranteed. I think it's a bit of an overpay, but what say you boys? I did not see this coming. I really didn't. Um, but Jeff, it does help your theory from last week that he should go somewhere uh, where he's not the number one guy, um, right? So um, he can go to Arizona with Chandler Jones coming back off of injury and and sort of rotate in and out um, uh, as as the uh, sort of second option on the end. And it also helps because Chandler Jones gets to the quarterback, and uh, if JJ Watt can can pressure as we talked about last week. Um, and Chandler Jones can finish him off, then then that's a big help for the D-line. I also don't think, though, that 
the Cardinals D-line is good enough or deep enough right now to serve J.J. Watt being a three-down rusher. Um, having said that, though, it's a team-friendly deal, I think. Uh, two years, $23 million guaranteed. Um, so maybe they can go get another defensive lineman or an outside linebacker like we were talking about last week, one of those guys that uh, is on the, on the block in free agency. But they have to be judicious, I think, because um, that big D-hop money is coming next year. So um, – you got to be you got to be careful with who you sign else as a free agent. Yeah, I, I think it's a really interesting deal because you think about this defense and the names that jump out at you, right? Are like you said, without a doubt, when you look at it, Chandler Jones can still you know get on the outside and just absolutely wreak havoc. But what's interesting is with the Patrick Peterson situation, but then Buda Baker, you know, is there, and it, you just think of it like that secondary. But now all of a sudden, what's cool is Arizona saying, you know. We're going to, the last two years have been all about offense in Arizona. And now they're actually going out there and making a splash in defense. And yes, it's a veteran player. And uh, I agree with you, Scott. I think it's actually really, really a good deal for both sides here. And I think it's going to be exciting. I wonder if it's a trend and where their money is going to be spent this off season and where their focus will be. Cause it's been on offense, even from their head coaching, you know, uh, higher all the way through Kyler uh, to D hop. And I'm wondering if this is kind of be an indication of, okay, we know that side of the ball is good. Let's focus now on this other side and see what we can do here. Well, they, you know, Arizona has a lot of talented guys on the defensive side of the ball. You mentioned Buda Baker as one Isaiah Simmons was their first round draft pick last year, who mm. is an absolute stud. He can do, he's one of the most intriguing prospects when he was coming out of Clemson that I really had ever seen. He, he can do everything from play free safety to be a, a, a an edge rush guy. Now, that's not his strength. His strength is kind of using him as a utility guy to mask some of the things you're trying to do defensively. So bringing in someone like J.J. Watt does allow them uh, or afford them the opportunity to not have Isaiah Simmons as a pure outside you know, linebacker who's just kind of one of those edge rushing guys. You can use him in other ways, but – with J.J. Watt, who can play a little inside, a little outside, move him around as well, it gives you a level of versatility that I think will help them a lot on the defensive end. I think, look, $15 million a year, and, and that's assuming he gets the full you know, contract, which NFL players rarely do, but even if he gets $28 million of it, it's a lot. And it says a lot about what the mindset in Arizona is right now, which is they are trying to win – right now while they have Kyler Murray on his rookie contract they're going to try to make some moves for it and uh, it's going to be really exciting to see I'm a little skeptical based off of the injury history that we've seen from J.J. Watt here over the last I don't know what four years or so now it seems like it's it's hard to keep him on the field it is crazy to think though you know Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt over the last decade are probably the two best pure defensive ends that we've had uh, when you just look at stack numbers and productivity Obviously, you know, Chandler Jones has, has put up so many insane statistical seasons from that spot without ever actually getting the credit he deserves for it because he's always played on bad defenses. And he's always it's kind of like, you know, the NBA guy who puts up a bunch of points on a bad team. You know, he put up a ton of sacks, but on teams that defensively weren't very good and uh but nothing to take away i mean he played for the patriots for a while you know like he's had an amazing career so it's fun to see those two guys both on uh on arizona there and depending on what they do in this draft you know it couldn't it could do a lot of things so i know scott as a 49ers fan you're not as excited about it as i think maybe the oh. rest of the nfl is um 
but just a shocker. I just, of all the places he could have ended up, this was very low on my list, but it's, it does speak to what I think Arizona is trying to do from a front office standpoint. Um, before we get into the mock draft, I think it's worth having the conversation here, guys, about what exactly, like, what is the philosophy when you go into a making a mock draft and what kind of mock drafts are, but also drafting philosophy, right? Because I think if there's a misconception out there that you're always going to go after just the best player or that mock drafts are the same as what your big board is, but your big board is just ranking your players regardless of position as to who you think is, is the best and, and can add the most to your team like right in that exact moment. But teams don't draft strictly off their big board. Some do, some don't. Uh, but what mock drafts do is they just try to analyze from afar what the team needs are, what positions of needs are there, and what will help fill their their needs and their holes as a roster, uh, especially there in the first round, which every first round draft pick uh, ideally is somebody who can come in and make a difference immediately with the exception of a few raw quarterbacks. But even still, we've, we've seen of late that quarterbacks are expected to be able to come in and start playing from day one in a lot of cases. And even if it's not expected, they do usually end up playing there in the first round. So here's at least how I view it personally. I think you have a couple of tiers when it comes to positions, because look, positions are always going to drive this. Number one, by far is the quarterback, right? We're going to see more than likely five quarterbacks drafted in the first round this year. Uh, we, we saw what three last year. Uh, and we're, we saw three the year before that. So, or, or sorry, we saw five the year before that three the year. Before. So like you can go back each year and see teams that are jumping up, trading a lot of assets to go up and get their guy because having their quarterback, right. Is the most important thing in all of football. It is worth noting though, that, Drafting your quarterback is a 50-50 proposition, right? From 2009 to 2016, every single first-round quarterback that was drafted in, that, in those seven years is no longer with the team that drafted them. Wow. Carson Wentz and Jared Goff were the last two guys that, that, were that, that fell under that category. That's a uh, crazy stat. Right? And you could look back to 2018, <laughs> the last time we had five quarterbacks drafted. It's Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Lamar Jackson. Sam Darnold still has some upside, right? But right so far has not had a good start Curry's to his out. career. Josh yeah. Josh Rosen's out, which I have to take the L on that because I thought he was going to – I didn't think he was going to be the best, but I thought he was going to be the most pro-ready, and I thought he was going to be like a 10-year vet in the NFL. Not the case. Uh, Lamar won an MVP, and he was the last quarterback taken out of that group. Uh, Baker Mayfield, still don't know. And then obviously Josh Allen has turned into a superstar. So – uh, you just don't know when it comes to drafting quarterbacks. I think it's, it's kind of crazy too, to look at not only that in terms of quarterbacks and the hit percentage, but we talk a little bit about this on this podcast about even high school recruiting going to college. Now five stars are supposed to mean that you translate to a first round pick in the NFL. And you think about how many players, right. There are, and there was only 32, five stars, but just going back to last year, an interesting stat is that six of the first round players in last year's draft were five-star recruits, um, which is actually, I thought it would be, I thought, I thought it'd be a little lower just the odds. Right. But yeah. uh, 15 of them were four stars. 10 of them were three stars. One was unranked. So um, it's interesting. And some of those three stars that we're talking about, and this is from CBS and their ranking system, but like Herbert was a three um, 
uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Justin Jefferson and Kenneth Murray were both three stars, but I, anyway, to go through it all and just to look at it, it's, it's pretty crazy to see um, hit percentages on recruiting as well. Mm-hmm. And, and those of us that follow college football a lot, it's, it's really fun. And it transitions these two leagues that you're in love with. And yeah. th- like, so- and we're going to get to it in a little bit, but hopefully God, hopefully you get a player from your college team and he goes to your NFL team and you instantly buy the Jersey. You have, Do you have to have a KJ Hamler Jersey. Okay. Not only I have it. I have a KJ. Uh, on the way, actually, I also, I have a West hand. Anyway, I have a, a couple jerseys on the way, but the next one I'm hoping to get is a Micah Parsons linebacker. Yeah, buddy. Mm, that is a, that's a good jersey. preview. It's a good preview so Vito, there. Vito, I have a question for you then, because you talk about the, the number of stars <clears throat> that are rated on these guys, like, like Herbert has turned into what we think is probably a budding superstar as a rookie. Right. And he was a three-star. Um, and you mentioned some other guys. So what, what is the correlation between the program that they go to and the amount of development that they get prior to going into the NFL? Cause there are some guys that come out of like even some FCS schools that like are on nobody's radar coming in and turn out to be superstars in the NFL. Right. Um, yeah. You know, I think it's actually a good question. And Jeff, I'd love to hear your take on this, but my, my thought is that initial thought is it's not so much, I think programs are good at identifying talent and that's why a lot of like the better ones who have a lot of guys and competitions just higher and they do have better, you know, facilities, similar things. But I, I don't think it's as much about the program developing them in terms of the guys who you hear a lot about, right? Like Alabama and Ohio state have a lot of players in the draft because they just have a lot of great players, but a team like Iowa is a team that doesn't necessarily recruit, like consistent five-star or even four-star guys that much, but a lot of their players turn out. And I think, I I, I don't know. I'm a big 10 fan, like I'm a Penn state fan. So I watch the big 10. I'm thinking them in Nebraska in that sense, but that's a really interesting point is who actually develops it. And on the flip side, it's a lot of guys who maybe not don't get as much attention in high school. So like Justin Herbert was from Eugene, Oregon went to Oregon. So it's also that, that aspect of like, yeah. Um, you know, how many camps do they do? And they yeah, get- like if Justin Herbert like, grew up in Dallas, I mm-hmm. think he probably has a different star rating coming out of, yeah. you know, coming out. I, it's a really good question, Scott. And ultimately it comes down to a lot of it is what is the MO of, of the coach and program you're going to, right? Kirk Ferentz in Iowa. It's a perfect example of this uh, Vito, like tight ends and offensive linemen and, and, Defense alignment as well to a point, but primarily you're getting the guys in the trenches and really good tight ends. And there are guys like TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, right? Both of those guys went to Iowa were in the same year, the same draft class. They both went there because they were highly recruit or highly touted prospects out of high school. The other thing you have to remember is from the time that these guys commit to their high to their colleges coming out of high school to the time they hit the NFL is three years of in a lot of ways, the most influential time in their lives, both physically, how their body develops, injuries, luck, a lot of all this stuff kind of plays into it. But, you know, like I would push back a little bit. Alabama isn't just we get five stars and then they, they go into the NFL. Like Alabama, Nick Saban prep guys for the NFL better than anybody else in college football. And, and it's, it's not particularly, you know, there's, there's no one else out there that really kind of holds a candle to what Alabama does, but they also have the added benefit of getting the five-star, you know, prospects and those guys coming out of high school. So 
it's a really fascinating dynamic, but it, it goes to show that, like you said, Vito, moving from high school to college and then college to the NFL, like so much of this is a crapshoot. So much of it comes down to the individual kid, like the person, like the kind of person he is. It's one of the reasons why I, I actually, despite having doubts about Jalen Hurts, I love Jalen Hurts because I love Jalen Hurts, the person. So even if there are limitations to what he can do physically, I believe in him as the person to make the most of wherever he's going. So uh, it's fascinating. Let's take a quick break here and then we're going to jump into our mock draft. We're going to flip a coin. I don't know. We'll figure out who gets the first overall pick, which is, I think we all know who it's going to be. Uh, Sunshine there from a member of the Titans. All right, we'll be back here in just a sec. All right, we're back here and we are ready, boys. Let's hear the music. With the first pick and the read option, mock draft number one, Brian Sanvito of the Jacksonville Jaguars selects Trevor Lawrence, quarterback. But here's the thing. We're not drafting this kid to throw the ball. We're drafting this kid to lead a franchise to a goddamn Super Bowl. That's what this franchise needs. It's one of the last few that has not won a, a Super Bowl. It was it came about in the late uh, mid-90s. And what's incredible about this is the Urban Meyer acquisition, everything that's going on. Obviously, it's a consensus number one, but... Man, I'm excited to see what he does. <clears throat> Shout out to my best friend growing up, Nick Calcaterra, who's been a diehard uh, Jaguars fan his whole life. It's hard, man. Fans Keep like you baby. deserve it. So uh, I'm happy for you guys, and and hopefully we get to see him winning. Yeah, man, this is a, an absolute no-brainer. Don't don't think twice about it. And and to that point, Vito, because I think obviously I think we all know Trevor's going number one, and the natural reaction is going to be oh, well, look at all the talent and look at the arm talent and what he's done in college and everything else. To me, the thing about Trevor Lawrence that makes him so incredible of a prospect is the person Trevor Lawrence, right? Like we don't get college football this year without Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, right? The, the person, the leader, everything you've ever heard about this kid is that he's just an absolute slam dunk home run of a, of a pick and, and not just because of how brilliant he is and the quick twitch stuff. And despite having a long delivery, he gets the ball out so fast. He can do everything you want to see on a football field. He's underrated. I think he might actually be a better runner than Andrew Luck. Like, I think that's one of the underrated things. Like I think Luck was the better prospect overall because he was so good throwing the football and understands the game at such a high level. But I think Trevor Lawrence as a leader. And like you said, you're, you're changing a franchise here, right? And changing a franchise that has historically done nothing but lose with the exception of 2017, 2018, when they made the run with Blake Bortles in that sick defense. And then the very, very beginning, right? The, the Byron Leftwich era. Uh, and even the first couple of years when they were in the, uh, I think they've been to two AFC championship games. And one of them was like their second year in, the, in the league. So 30, yeah, you're taking here a franchise that just, they need something that can really change and overhaul. And in order to do that, you need a generational leader as much as a generational talent. And I think they have that with Trevor Lawrence. Plus coupling him with Urban Meyer, which I think was probably one of the best coaching hires of the year uh, or in the offseason, I guess. Uh, that relationship is just as important as, as any on, on a football team. Um, especially in the NFL. So I like, I like that I, the pick is a slam dunk, but to go to a coach like urban Meyer uh, for all his faults uh, that we can get into and grievances later. 
Um, but it's 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 a good it's a good marriage, I think. I think so too. And I think for the type of offense he's going to run, I think Urban Meyer has had such a such yeah. a way with quarterbacks in the past to get the most out of them. I mean, think about the passing statistics he got out of Tim Tebow. Yeah, he's well. just such a terrible throwing <laughs> quarterback, right? He got, but he was a winner, right? Like he was a leader. He was all that stuff. So now you're going to pair that talent with the leadership stuff. I think it's a, it's going to be awesome to see. I'm excited. I'm curious if he's going to cut the hair. He better not. He better not cut the hair. We need to see them locks. Well, now he has to. In, in Jacksonville, he has to be sunshine. Oh, dude. Right? It's, like it's, he has to be in Florida. It's all, he's already blonde. It's about to get platinum blonde. Now. Although now people might call him Joe Dirt because he, <laughs> he cuts it more like a mullet. He has that kind of look. Oh, yeah. So uh, I have the second pick. The New York Jets are on the clock. Now, we're not doing trades here, but we are going to talk a little bit. If we think this is a, a potential trade spot, we're going to talk about some of that. Um, but I don't have the Jets trading out. You look at potential you know, position needs right, for this team. Quarterback is, is kind of the one glaring spot you look at, right? Because there is, some, there is some hope that Sam Darnold is still a guy who can be a franchise quarterback, but I also get that there's a lot of skepticism surrounding him. Uh, there's a lot of holes on that team. They found a franchise left tackle in Makai Becton last year who, who played way better than I think anybody was anticipating him uh, coming into playing. They have a new head coach. They have a great front office there run by Joe Douglas. This pick is the guy who I think most people think is going to go number two, but with the second overall pick, the New York Jets select Zach Wilson, quarterback, BYU. So, whoa! Wow. The thing oh. is, right when you're drafting, Flash. when you're drafting quarterbacks, and we talked about it being 50-50, you need that guy to hit, right? You need that guy, and you have to believe that that guy is a true you know, franchise defining quarterback. And this kid has so much swag to him and has he, I said it to Scott before the pod. He's he's Johnny Manziel with Patrick Mahomes, arm. Does that mean he's going to be Patrick Mahomes? No. Does it mean he's going to be Johnny football? No, but there's, there is a lot of hope. and, And, and I'm telling you now, when you watch this kid's film, he does things on a football field that are truly special. And there's concerns about storm and Mormon. There's, I've said it before, man, Johnny Mormon, right? Zachy Mormon. He's, he's our guy. I really, really like Zach Wilson. The more I watch him play, but I also think he's got the lowest floor. I think he has almost the highest ceiling. I don't think his ceiling is higher than Trevor Lawrence, but I think he has the potential lowest floor out of all these guys. So it's no question. It's going to be taking a risk, but if you're sold on the upside, you have to take him second. They, you, you just have to because the upside is better than Justin Fields is better than Trey Lance and it's better than Mac Jones. And I like Zach Wilson as the number two overall pick to either the Jets or potentially another team trading up. The, the, the upside is too good for it to be anyone else. Disagree, Justin Fields, but same. Yeah. yeah. Hey, all right. Well, you know what? Justin Fields has fallen. So I don't know, Scott, you're, you're up next. He won't be on the board for long. Won't so be on with this long. With this pick, I if they go quarterback, I think they're going to go Justin Fields. You make a compelling case for the Storm and Mormon and Zach Wilson, but I think they're going to go Justin Fields if they go quarterback. I think they're going to trade out though. I think the, uh, I think the, I like Kuiper's pick. the The Falcons will trade up and get their guy Justin Fields at number two, to uh, be the heir apparent to Matt Ryan. Yeah, and we could even see something like what happened with the Sixers and the Celtics a couple of years ago, which was. You know, the Celtics 
wanted Jason Tatum. They had the number one overall pick and Philly really wanted Markel Fultz and Philly was drafting third. Boston was drafting number one. They made a trade. They got a bunch of assets uh, to come in. To, uh, oh, yeah. Boston got a bunch of assets from Philly for Philly just to move up two spots, even though everyone knew Lonzo was going number two. And Boston was able to pick up those assets and get the guy that they wanted. Let's say Atlanta loves Justin Fields. and Or sorry, let's say the Jets love Justin Fields and Atlanta is showing all indications that Justin Fields is going to go, or that uh, Zach Wilson is going to go number two. All right, well, you trade down to number, you know, to number four with uh, where Atlanta's spot is. And chances are the guy that you want is still going to be there. And you're able, or maybe, and this is part of this too, guys. Like any quarterback outside of number one could go at any spot and I wouldn't be shocked, right? If Mac Jones yeah. goes in the Agreed. top seven, I wouldn't be surprised. But at the same time, you know, we're kind of nitpicking here. So as much as I, I do like Justin Fields, he's not my favorite prospect of this group. And I think there's a there's a really good chance Justin Fields is a great quarterback. The upside that Zach Wilson brings from just an arm talent perspective is so unique that I just think I think you have to take him there if you're the New York Jets or whatever team is drafting number two. Agreed. Move right, on to the third pick. Yes, sir. You're up. Let me get my clown Goodell voice on. <clears throat> With the third pick. In the NFL draft, the Miami Dolphins select Devontae Smith, wide receiver, Alabama. Here's another slam dunk pick uh, for me. Um, you, you, you pair him up with Tua. Um, you, I've seen mocks where they take Penny Sewell, um, which would be kind of a, a – I, I would be a good pick. I wouldn't be shocked to see that either. But you, you need some help on, on the outside. Um, currently, I mean – the chemistry between uh, Tua and Mike Kosicki was at its best in the, the back half of the season. And Kosicki turned out to be the best wide receiver on the Miami Dolphins, and he's the tight end. Um, so, I mean, you got Devontae Parker, who's always – he's he's going to be your number one. Um, you, you bring in a guy like Devontae Smith um, who can do it all. And if, if uh, Brian Flores decides to move Devontae Smith around the field like Nick Saban did at Alabama, show some different looks – um, get creative. Uh, I think, I think you've got just another huge weapon, the Heisman winner. Um, but just a, a massive weapon, um, on the outside, on the inside, wherever you, wherever you decide to put him Devonte Smith, Alabama. Yeah, I think, I think that's the right pick. That's who I had in the mock draft. I think you're re you know, you're reuniting Tua and Devonte Smith, the what was it third and 26, second, 26, whatever the, uh, whatever the famous right. play was right. When they won third on, down, I believe. on the, on the walk off against, no, I think it was second and 26, right? Because didn't Tua take that terrible sack that dropped him back? Either way, it was the walk-off touchdown. That's how Devontae Smith's career basically started at Alabama, was catching that walk-off touchdown to win the national championship against your SEC rival in Georgia. Uh, Devontae Smith has shown such incredible skills and, like, minute skills, right? Like, he's, he's not Calvin Johnson. He's not – Larry Fitzgerald he's not even Jamar Chase when it comes to just the physical makeup but what he does as a route runner the way he gets in and out of his cuts the way he creates separation and I think one of the more underrated aspects of his game because you didn't have to see it all that much at Alabama was what he can do on off schedule plays 
And now Tua is is a timing quarterback, right? So a lot of what Miami's going to want to do is getting the ball out on time and you have your big play wide receiver as far as the physical tools in Devontae Parker on the other side, if Preston Williams stays healthy. Plus, like you said, Mike Kosicki, who uh, is in was is, had an awesome end of the year before he started getting kind of banged up. Uh, it, it could be an awesome wide receiver and just talent groom there for uh, for Miami and and Miami is one of the uh, and Miami is one of those teams that can really you know or I think they're one or two pieces away and I think Devontae Smith is just too talented to not you know go all in with. And what a slap in the face too with this pick, Miami taking Devontae Smith the best, probably the best wide receiver in, in the draft class with Houston's pick mm-hmm. at number three. Uh, so Houston loses out on another weapon for Deshaun Watson. Don't blame me for leaving Deshaun. Go ahead. No, I mean, I, I think when you look at this too, the other thing about it is uh, Jeff mentioned it. They were together and I'll never forget. I watched their freshman game. It was, it was them against uh um, I think it was their class or it was a year after, but it was still when they had um, Jalen hurts and it was a spring game. And, and Alabama is one of those teams, like we mentioned, where it's just, there's so much talent and I'll never forget just seeing them slinging around and then him coming in the next year and, and, and having that, that game with him. And I, it's just crazy to see some of those plays happen in college. And like, Oh, those guys are elite. Wow. They'll probably both end up in the NFL. And I can't wait to see like in the NFL, if they're like, wow, these two are like some of the, you know, at least in, in terms of, of connection between a number one receiver and a quarterback that are both drafted in the top five, it would be incredible to see the potential of that relationship. Yeah. And, and I think one of the things that can't be understated here with Devonte Smith was, you know, he was in, like you said, that wide receiver room with Jalen Waddle, uh, Henry Ruggs, uh, Jerry Judy. There's a couple guys before that too. Calvin Ridley, like, he's been around some elite level wide receivers. And one of the things that you hear over and over and over again about that Alabama wide receiver room is how competitive they were, right? They knew they would be able to score four touchdowns just from the wide receiver group alone. And they would get so competitive about, I scored mine. I'm going to score more touchdowns today than you because they just knew they'd be able to score so many touchdowns that it didn't become about winning the game. It was beating the other guy in the room. And the, the, all of, there's so many stories about these guys battling each other in camp. And I think it has created a work ethic in someone like Devontae Smith, who is the least physically talented of all of those wide receivers that have come out of Alabama during that stretch. He's the one that's had to get the most footwork drill, you know, focus the most on his cuts, focus most on his route running, developing deep route you know uh wide receiver route trees like there are so many things that go into little things that i think that have made Devonte smith so great and remember he's the first wide receiver in modern and really in the modern day uh to, to come come away with a heisman uh, in this new especially in this new era of college football that has become so pass heavy he's just he's unbelievable and it's not like he was going up against you know terrible teams playing in the sec you know, playing against DBU in LSU every single year and sometimes twice a year, depending on how the SEC West ends up turning out. I think it's a slam dunk pick, and uh, and I love it. Vito, you are on the clock with the Atlanta Falcons. And within one second, our envelope is to the counter with Justin Fields' name on it because we are taking him, he bringing him back to Georgia and fucking killing it for the whole year with our boy. I mean, I think, I think yes – you know, Scott, you mentioned before the heir apparent. 
but I think Justin Fields is a guy who's going to come in and I, I believe in him a lot more than even most people. So I, I think he's a guy who actually, depending on what's going on, maybe the next year or two um, could end up, could end up getting that, that starting job. I, I believe in him a lot. Is there a I chance Matt Ryan gets moved? Do you think? I, I think, think that's so. a real possibility. Yeah, I, I think, think so too. Yeah, I, I think I, so too. I, that's again, we're, so far we're, we're on chalk with, with what the, the mock draft that I made before this has, uh, which has Justin Fields going forward. You know, he had such an unceremonious and unfortunate ending to his Georgia career. That offense with Kirby Smart was just weird because you still had, uh, what's his name? The, who was the quarterback of Georgia? Jake Fromm. Yes. You know, you had Jake Fromm there who was really good at not turning the ball over and just kind of running the offense. They were so good at having, you know, it's such a great running game there for years with Sony Michelle, uh, you know, Nick Chubb. They've had so many talented guys coming out of that Georgia running back group that I think that offense was never going to fit Justin Fields. And there was unfortunate situations there with uh with justin fields and some fans using some less than kind language to put it mildly and he moved in and went to ohio state and then balled out at ohio state you know we all saw how he looked in that semifinal game and the upside for justin fields is as good as any quarterback in this draft not named trevor lawrence Uh, i think it'd be really cool for him to come back to atlanta and and get a chance to play in that you know in that state and and especially after how it ended with him leaving the Georgia program. But yeah, so Justin Fields is gonna I think could be really good. And look, the, another thing too, if he's playing in Atlanta, they have a lot of talented wide receivers there. Like if he gets yeah. a chance to play right off the bat, Arthur Smith coming in there as the head coach, and they're did young. A great did a great job of developing you know or resurrecting I should say Ryan Tannehill's career. So I yeah I think Justin Fields could could get in there and see the field pretty. Uh, pretty quickly uh, Scotty do you have any other thoughts on Justin Fields I, I I'm not as high on him as Vito is um, I think for all intents and purposes he's the Ohio State quarterback um, that doesn't and you pointed out a couple podcasts ago Jeff doesn't send his receivers open um, and it's the same it's the same thing we've seen across the ages with the Ohio State quarterbacks recently JT Barrett uh, Dwayne Haskins, another reason why I told Washington not to draft him. I called Dan Snyder personally. I said, hey, Snides, don't do this, you dumbass. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's the same type of same type of deal. Now, he's a competitor. I'll give you that. Uh, much more, I think, so than, uh, than any of those guys, including if you go all the way back to Terrell Pryor at Ohio State. Um, I don't I don't think he he's he's as NFL ready as everyone thinks he is. Um, think there's a little bit more polish that needs to happen certainly not a top five for me um but but i i've been proven wrong i think you're you you make a good point about the uh the receiving core in in atlanta they they are they are good enough to make justin fields look good and make him a better quarterback i think um in the long run so we'll see i mean that's a good i think that's a good as good as any a spot for him especially with the new head coach and the new offense that uh that they can build around with a quarterback like him yeah, you know, I, I would push back. I don't think he's the traditional Ohio State quarterback. I don't think he's Dwayne Haskins. I don't think he's JT Barrett. I don't think he's Terrell Pryor. I don't think he's any of those guys. I think he's much better than that. I think he's the best quarterback prospect they had for a long time. I also think the stigma around the Ohio State quarterback was kind of broken when you saw Joe Burrow, who was a Buckeye much longer than he was an LSU Tiger. You know, I, I think 
if if Justin if Joe Burrow is uh, an Ohio State quarterback, then why aren't we not seeing the same issues here in the NFL? I agree with you, though. I do think he is a bigger project than than a lot of people think, and it's not that he his upside again is as good as anyone. It's as good as Zach Wilson. Well, not as good. I think Zach Wilson's is a little higher, but ultimately, I think that's a perfect fit for him in that offense. New head coach, everything else. I think Justin Fields is uh, is is going to be set there with the Falcons. Up next, that's also by the way. That's another good spot where you could potentially uh, see a trade. We we're talking about them potentially moving up. Maybe for what, whatever reason, they still like Matt Ryan. They want to hold on to him. They trade back, pick up some assets. Never know. Or, I think that's a pick to keep an eye on for that. Yeah. Uh, but for me now, on the clock, number five, we have the Cincinnati Bengals coming off of drafting Joey Burrow, number one overall last year, with the fifth pick. In the 2021 NFL Draft, the Cincinnati Bengals select Penny Sewell, left tackle, University of Oregon. Uh, this is a generational left tackle here. All right, we're talking about a guy who could be a 15-year star, 12-time pro bowler. His upside, his physical makeup, everything is just off the charts. He's got a lot of nasty in him. Like, that dude wants to punish people. If you see, if you watch a tape on him and you see him get to the second level, he puts guys into the dirt and he enjoys doing it. And you want a guy like that protecting Joe Burrow. We saw already Joe Burrow go down with a terrible knee injury this year, and it looks like he's going to come back. You want a guy who's going to go around and fuck some people up to protect your franchise quarterback. And that is exactly who Penny Sewell is. I am so stoked to see him there. The one wrinkle here that I think is worth talking about and I don't think they're going to do it, but how fucking awesome would it be if Jamar Chase went to Cincinnati and reteamed up with Joe Burrow? Because their chemistry on broken plays was as good as any I've ever seen in college football. They put together the greatest offensive season we've ever seen in college football with that LSU team. I would love, love, love to see that, but you have to protect Joe Burrow first and then worry about getting him assets second. And they already have a solid wide receiver room with a lot of free agents available who I think would love to play with Joe Burrow. I loved Penny Sewell at Oregon. I'd love to – and shout-out to my cousins who uh, listen to my uncle probably. He's, they're, they're big Ducks fans. My uncle went to Oregon. They're, they're all Ducks out there on the, on the West Coast uh, where my family is. Um, Penny Sewell was so good. As a sophomore, he got a second place vote in the Heisman race. Like that's how good he as a sophomore. That's how good this dude is. And he mauls all day long. And you're right, Jeff. That's a guy you want protecting your quarterback. How lucky are the Bengals, by the way? They won some like trash time games at the end of the year that it looked like they would put themselves out of contention to get Penny Sewell, but then you get the Jets <laughs> that uh, won their game and then kept losing. And then the Falcons lose that close game to, uh, to Kansas city. All of a sudden uh, the Bengals find themselves at five and in, in perfect position to get Penny Sewell. The, I mean, the Eagles won that game at the end of the year too. That's that helped um, the lions. Yeah. Broncos. But, yeah. Broncos went. Yeah. So they got so lucky in the last like four games of the year to get back into the Penny Sewell sweepstakes. So uh, it's, it, this is another slam dunk for me. Like it's, yeah. it should not even be a question, right? Like, there are he's, a lot of he's years where, he's generational. There are a lot of years where Penny Sewell would be the number one overall pick. Like that, oh, yeah. that, that no is the level that we're talking about. It. He is there is still, I guess, if you have to kind of pick some nits here, he is a little raw still, 
but he spent the last year, he was an opt out this season. So he spent the last year tightening up his, you know, technique and whatnot. And he's young. It's, there's a lot to go. Vito, what do you think on Penny Sewell going number five to the Bengals? I think this is a slam dunk. I think this is one of the easiest picks. I, here's the guy that we talked about value wise, big board. <clears throat> he, he's probably number two and he's going to drop here. I think a little later. Cause everyone, again, the need at quarterback and, and just what that drives and some of the skill players that you see here um, are, are like at wide receiver De- Devonta Smith and, and Jamar chase are just crazy talents as well at their position. I think they, it doesn't come around maybe as often, but, but, or I guess it's more exciting for your team to draft and seeing that in the top five is a little less rare than offensive line, but this offensive lineman in other drafts, like you're saying would be number one over some of those other guys that are what we think um, already generational talents. He's, he's on that level. So he's, he's not on the low end of that realm. And, and I don't think there's anything to pick. I think this is slam dunk. Yeah, I, I think that's about, you know, kind of rounds it up. I mean, this just go ahead and like I've said, I've said this before on the pod. If you want to sit down and watch a grown man beat up other grown men in a legal way, go watch Penny Sewell highlights because I'm telling you, it's the most entertaining offensive lineman tape. He's probably the best offensive lineman prospect that we've had since Quentin Nelson. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, don't agree. you think that's yeah. fair? I, I think I'm just fair. trying to think of the best left tackle that we've seen in recent years. I mean, look, Makai Becton last year turned into a stud, but as far as like prospects, I don't know. It's a good question. It's a good question. We'll get stats and info on it and we'll see if we can come up with another response. But now Scotty Miller's on the clock for the drowning Philadelphia Eagles. Who are they taking here? Scott with the sixth overall pick. With the number six pick in the 2021 NFL draft, the Philadelphia Eagles, go birds, pick Kyle Pitts, tight end out of Florida. Kyle Pitts is, again, one of those generational talents, that tight end. Um, But again, he's more of a receiver than he is a tight end. Um, The Eagles, the Eagles, frankly, tanked. I think to move from nine to six, although they won that game late uh, in the year uh, against the Packers, they claim they wanted, you know, a receiver. They're going to do, they're going to learn nothing from this whole experience with Carson Wentz and the, the drafting of, of uh, mediocre to bad receivers uh, that they've been doing. They're not going to take Jamar chase, even though he's on the board, they're going to take Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is just as uh, it's as good a receiver not as Jamar Chase probably, but he's, he can be used in that way. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the new offense brings. I think this is, this is probably a slam dunk pick for me in, uh, in um, Doug Peterson's offense, but um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I, I think his talent as a receiver is, is as generational and he's a, is a freaking matchup nightmare against uh, linebackers and safeties. None of which, uh, among team, the rest of the teams in the NFC East are, are very good at all. So I, I'd look, I'd look to take uh, Kyle Pitts with the, for the Eagles at number six. We have, we have finally broken off the mock draft here at number six. Look, as an Eagles fan, I'm pulling hard for Jamar chase. I'm not going to lie about that, but I also wouldn't hate Kyle Pitts. 
Kyle Pitts is exactly what you just said. He is a generational talent. He's the highest graded tight end that Mel Kuyper's ever had. He's been doing this for 40 years. Like he knows as like, he has as much of a encyclopedia on draft as anybody, right? Kyle Pitts is, is almost looked at more as a pass catcher, right? Like you said, he, he he's more of just a receiver, not necessarily a tight end or a wider. Like he's kind of just this hybrid and that might be part of where the NFL is going, right? If he's Darren Waller, Right. Like there's a lot of things. Now, yeah. I think if the Eagles move on from Zach Ertz, you still have Dallas Goddard there, who has shown flashes of being a top five tight end in football when he's healthy. And now you're going to take away all the targets that would go to Zach Ertz. You keep Dallas Goddard there. I think they, I just, I just think the Eagles need a true number one wide receiver. There's also a really good chance that the Eagles go quarterback here. So this is probably the most fascinating pick that we have. Cause I think up until this point, we're going to see some variation of that top five going that way. Unless somebody trades up to get a quarterback, right? Unless, you know, Cincinnati trades back. I don't think they would do that. So I don't know. It, it's a really, it's a really tough pick. Vito, what are you, what are your thoughts on Kyle Pitts? Number six to the Eagles. I would have gone Jamar chase. I, I think that, um, I like what your thought process there was, Scott, but I just think that uh, to echo what Jeff had said, they need a number one. I, I live in Philly. Um, I know Jeff's a dire Philly fan. I, I just, I know what these, it's just crazy to see what happened when like Aguilar got called out on the news after a dude saved a kid from him. Like he caught kids like thrown out. Yeah. He's catching kids <laughs> out from the balcony to save their lives. And literally he's like, yeah, I was out here just catching kids. Unlike Aguilar. And that is without a doubt, like what is ingrained in my mind of like, yeah, we need to get like a number one receiver here. Who's as respectable. I mean, really think about the last number one. Was it when like Jeremy Macklin went off? I don't even know who like, Deshaun, I guess. Like, I mean, Alshon, you got to remember how good Alshon yeah, was the year first... they won the Super Bowl, right? In yeah. 2017. Al- Alshon did that with a torn rate to rotator cuff as well. I think, and look, whenever Jamar Chase comes off the board here, here we'll, we'll get into it. Um, Jamar Chase is just, he, he is, and I think because of the season Devontae Smith had, in addition to Jamar Chase opting out of the 2020 NFL or college football season, I think there's a little bit of people are forgetting just how freaking incredible Jamar Chase was. Like there was a guy who did like a Jamar Chase appreciation thread on Twitter that had 20 highlights. And each time I'm just like, Oh my God, he's going to run sub four, four at his pro day. Like he, and on top of it, it's everything he can do off schedule. He's an athletic freak. You know, we talk about how, Tyreek Hill can go up and play so much bigger than his size. Jamar Chase is very similar. And Jamar Chase is, is built more than De- Devontae Smith, right? Devontae Smith is slight. They called him the Slim Reaper, which is just a phenomenal nickname. It's the nickname that should have gone to Kevin Durant for years, but for whatever reason, never stuck, right? Like he is just, he's very skinny. I'm, I'm always afraid if Devontae Smith goes over the middle and Danny Trevathan's there and just takes his head off, like, you know, like I'm worried about that like, to an extent. Jamar Chase is built like a brick shit house, man. At you know five, like five ten, five eleven, but he's also insanely fast. He plays bigger than his size. But Kyle Pitts is just—he's unbelievable. So none of this is to take a slide at Kyle Pitts. I would be stoked to see him wearing midnight green. Uh, Vito, you are up now. 
with the seventh overall pick, you have the Detroit Lions. And who are you taking at number seven? So Detroit, this is a a really interesting pick here. And I'm very high on my guy. And I got to say, I think that they're going to need a defensive presence, someone that can go sideline to sideline and really help shore it up. I am going with Micah Parsons, linebacker. Wow. Wow. So, so if, if this is a team that we thought could trade back, but I think that if they stay there for what they're looking for and value, Michael Parsons is one of those guys is the best at his position in the draft. And he's a guy who can come in and probably be a guy there for, you know, a decade or so. That's, that's a, a security pick that they need at a time. I think when a lot of things are not as secure in the franchise. Yeah, yeah I think I, I agree. Think- you hit it on the head, Vito. I think what they do is they trade back and they try to target Micah Parsons. Uh, Micah Parsons is an absolute stud. I'm very excited to see what he does. I think eight is a little high. And I think if you're Detroit, we saw what they did and what the MO of that uh, Jared Goff trade was, was to gain more you know, draft capital. Find a way to get more picks because that, again, another roster that needs just a complete overhaul from where they're at. They need so much help on the defensive side of the ball. They were historically bad this year defensively. Uh, and, and I think Micah Parsons would be an awesome fit in Detroit. I think he could be a, a Roquan Smith, right? He could be a Devin White. He could be one of Fred those Warner. types. Yeah, exactly. He could be one of those types of, of defense changing, uh, a franchise changing on the defensive side of the ball for at that position of linebacker and when those guys come up like if he's the guy they love and they know that that's what they want then yeah you take him at eight but you know we're not doing trades in this mock uh but i think that is an absolute situation to look at for you know them potentially trading back that's interesting even if so you're saying Vito, even if uh in our mock draft philly grabs kyle pitts jamar chase is still on the board kenny galladay heads out in free agency you're still going to take um you're still going to take Micah ahead of, of Jamar Chase there? Well, what I'm saying is is right now when I'm, when I'm looking at the team, I think that on the defensive side, that's the biggest difference maker for them to start winning more games. Um, I, I also think that we'll see what happens, you know, at wide receiver and free agency. There's also a lot of talent out there. I just think that when you're looking at a middle linebacker, if you can draft a guy who's going to be with your team for a decade, that changes your franchise much more than a receiver. Uh, it, well, not necessarily, depending on obviously, I, I think very highly of Jamar Chase too. I just think that for this team, uh, that's where the matchup of need and what's available in free agency and everything along with, with what's best for the franchise kind of align in the draft. Yeah, and that was the main reason I didn't have them taking uh, Jamar Chase. Uh, I mean, in my mock draft, I had the Eagles taking Jamar Chase, but that's why I didn't have them taking you know Kyle Pitts. Obviously, they have TJ Hawkins in there. They just spent – a, a top first round pick on TJ Hawkinson just two years ago. Uh, they need help on the defensive side of the ball. I had them drafting Rashawn Slater, offensive tackle, uh, just another really solid prospect. I think they need help along the offensive line. They need to protect Jared Goff, who, you know, they're tied to now for a few years, you know, at the very least. So uh, I think Micah Parsons is the move if they trade back, but if they stay at eight, I wouldn't be surprised to see them take an offensive lineman there either uh i guess that puts me up now with the carolina panthers drafting at number eight and with the eighth overall pick in the 2021 nfl draft the carolina panthers select trey lance quarterback north Uh dakota state 
I think this is when we see another quarterback come off the board. Uh, Trey Lance is a interesting pros- uh, prospect because we haven't seen a lot of tape on him. He only played a finite number of games in the uh, in his collegiate season, but the games we saw from Trey Lance were absolutely brilliant through 30 touchdowns, zero interceptions as a sophomore to lead North Dakota state to another national championship. And I think what he can do and look, I mean, I love Teddy Bridgewater. I would love to see Teddy Bridgewater get a chance, uh, you know, to continue on, but they need to look towards the future and Matt rule there. He had a good, much better than expected first year. I think a lot of people thought Carolina was going to be the worst team. Them and the jets were going to be the worst teams in football based off of roster alone, but Matt rules, one of those coaches that gets the most out of his guys and Trey Lance, I think is a bit of a project when it comes to just, he hasn't played a a lot of football, but the football he's played, he's played at such a high level. He played a very complex offense at North Dakota state. The natural thought process is, Oh, he played at a lower level of division one football. He's not as good. He's not as, you know, cerebral of a quarterback. If he was, he would be playing somewhere else. Like North Dakota State is like playing at like most power five programs. And we saw Carson Wentz get drafted number two overall. So you can be a top prospect at North Dakota State and still get drafted in the top 10 picks, top two picks, as was proven there by Carson Wentz. I don't think he's as good of a prospect as Carson Wentz was coming out because we just had more tape on Carson. But Carson Wentz also was hurt in his last year at North Dakota State. He only played in a handful of games with the Bison there. It's so annoying that make you pronounce the Z in the North Dakota State Bison. But I, I like Trey Lance to be the future, at least the prospective future for the Carolina Panthers. Any other pushback there from you guys? No, I think your only other option at quarterback is to make a big trade, which probably involves McCaffrey and or uh, a number of, of draft picks to go get Deshaun Watson. So taking quarterback here makes sense, um, I think, if you're Carolina. That, and, is a, and- that is a wrinkle I threw in there, too. Like, if they do decide, hey, let's, you know, and, and it looks like Deshaun Watson is not getting moved. Maybe Russell Wilson will. But it would be interesting if Carolina lands one of those two guys and be a trade, that pick becomes way different. Cause I think it's absolutely at that point, they, uh, they go after like Jalen Waddle, for example, or in this case, yeah. based off of our mock draft, Jamar Chase. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a good point too. Vito, what about you? I know you, you've been a little bit more skeptical on Trey Lance. Do you think that's a good fit there with the Panthers at number eight? I, th- I think, it's something that they'll probably go quarterback. And so, like you said, there's, there's a group there. So, you know, not opposed to it by any means. Love it. All right, Scotty, you're up the number nine overall pick the Denver Broncos. This is when the draft really starts to open up a little bit. We have most of the quarterbacks off the board. We have Jamar chase is still up there. Denver's a defensive thinking team. Who do you have the Broncos taking at number nine? At number nine, the Denver Broncos select Caleb Farley, cornerback, Virginia Tech. I just uh, he's the probably the best corner in uh, in the draft, I would think, uh, for my money. Um, and you know the 
the Broncos need defensive help, especially in the secondary. Um, they've been looking for a, a linebacker to help them out for years. They got Josie Jewell. They've got Brad, Bradley Chubb um, in the past uh, few years. But um, really, it to me, uh, Fairley is, is one of those guys that uh, you just – you have to take the best guy at this position – um, and it's a it's a big position of need, I think, for for Denver. Vito, you're dialed into the Broncos. That's your team. What do you think? You know, I, I actually had Sertan, but I, I love your thought process there. I think that that's exactly like we got to kind of focus on on the defense and especially at that cornerback spot. Um, we got rid of I think we released AJ Boye. So it, it's just one of those things where it's a need and it's a good skill. And that's where those align. And you can see a guy who may be a little lower, but clearly, you know, the best, that position, I think uh, one of the best in that in the secondary positions in general, get drafted a little higher than probably people think. Yeah. I honestly, you know, Scott, I, I love the pick. He's one of the biggest gambles, right? And I think if you draft him to a place like Denver, who historic, you're, you're putting him with uh, Vic Fangio, who's an excellent defensive mind has a history Thanks. of, of developing cornerbacks and, and just great defensive players in general. I think that's an awesome fit because I think his upside is higher than anyone else at the position uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, playing cornerback and, and what he can do. He's a very physical cornerback. Him and Sertan are, are very different players. They play very different positions. Uh, even though they both play cornerback, they're very different in the way that they kind of go about the position. I think Caleb Fairley is, is similar to a guy like Jeff Akuda. The big knock on Fairley, and this is going to be one of the things that we don't know how NFL teams are going to react to, is Caleb uh, Farley opted out this season, similarly to Jamar Chase. And we know how the NFL is historically kind of behind the eight ball when it comes to certain things, right? And I think there's absolutely going to be this mentality that, oh, he opted out. He must be a selfish player. He's not a team guy. He's more worried about what his future is like. And I think that's going to hurt some guys. It's also going to drop some guys who are potential, you know, McShay and, and Kuiper both thought that he could be a potential top five pick if he had come back and played at Virginia tech and played well this year, but instead he knew there's chances are he's going to be a first round pick anyway, when to just spend the year focusing on, on getting ready for the draft. And I think, Smart. I think it's a great pick. I think it's a great pick, Scott. Um, and I Thank think you. Denver would be a phenomenal uh, space for him. Uh, Vito, you are now up. The Dallas Cowboys drafting at number 10 to wrap up our top oh, 10. Oh. And then we'll take a, a bit of a break here before we hop into the rest of the draft. Who do you got the Dallas Cowgirls, Dallas Cowboys taking? Mark Chase 10? is still on the board. Wow. Another wide receiver. Yeah. Who do you got, Vito? You know what? I mean, Looking at this mock draft, it, I had something prepared, but I just, I don't know. No, I can't do I, I got to stay with Sertan, Patrick mm. Sertan. I just think Damn it's, it. it lines up so well. If I'm the Cowboys, I, I think that's just what they need. I mean, and, and if you can get him with Tre Trevon Diggs, like that's just crazy to think about like Alabama corner. Like, I don't know. It's crazy. It's crazy. I, I think that is a is the smart pick here. It's who I would have taken if I was on the clock right now with Dallas. Uh, again, like we said, Sertan's a different type of cornerback. Uh, Fairley's going to be a little more physical, line of scrimmage, long, athletic. Sertan is just a really smart, cerebral, cerebral quarterback. Very good at reading 
uh, or cornerback, sorry, he's very good at reading quarterbacks in the opposite side of the field, has a very good understanding uh, of just how to play the position. And look, if you're drafting a defensive back out of Alabama, chances are you're, you're making a, a good call, right? Like Nick Saban, people forget this about Saban. He came in, his, his whole start in coaching was coaching secondaries and then becoming a defensive coordinator, right? His specialty is developing those defensive backs. It's one of the reasons why Alabama's had so much success year after year after year, because he gets the most out of defensive backs at the college level, which historically is one of the hardest positions to play in college, particularly in the modern game when we see these offenses who are just so, so good at throwing the football in this widespread air raid kind of version of college football that we've seen now for the better part of the last decade. And definitely throughout the majority of the Nick Saban run, I think Sertan is, is the pick there, son of an, of an NFL player. Uh, I, I love that pick for the Cowboys and, and a defense that frankly needs a lot of help in the secondary. Um, yeah, I don't know. Scotty, you got any other final thoughts here on Sertan? Yeah, I'm just mad that that's where you went. I was saving him for 12 for the Niners. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. Well, the he Niners are an interesting far. team. I don't think man. so. Well, I think the Niners are going to get either one of those guys, either Farley or or uh, Sertan. But um, we'll see. Um, but based on our mock drafts, we're we're not getting either because um, I made a great pick at nine for you, Vito, and then you screwed me. Um, but thanks a lot. Um, no, I <laughs> well, think I think that's the right pick. Uh, honestly, at that spot, if Sertan's there, um, then you you got to go. Uh, if you're if you're Dallas. Absolutely. Uh, their defense has been horrific. Uh, it got better over the course of the year, but uh, but that's that's a spot they need to shore up. Absolutely. And, you know, they have good pieces on the defensive line. Demarcus Lawrence, right? They have guys around. They have good linebackers. Jalen Smith had a bad year last year, but I think we've seen him play. And he obviously signed that massive contract. So we know the upside that he brings. Uh, Van Der Esch is another really solid linebacker. So the Cowboys have – pieces in place it's the back end and after losing byron jones the year before i think trying to come back here and and make something happen with that secondary is a good starting point for the cowboys uh we're going to recap the top 10 here real quick and we're going to hit, hit a break trevor lawrence number one jacksonville zach wilson number two to the new york jets devonta smith number three to the miami dolphins justin fields number four to the falcons penny sewell to the Bengals, and number five Kyle Pitts, number six to the Eagles. Micah Parsons at number eight to the Lions. Trey Lance to Carolina. Caleb Farley at number uh, nine to Denver. And at number 10, the Dallas Cowboys taking Patrick Sertan. We got the rest of the mock draft coming up right after this. All right, now we are back. Everyone bring it in once again. We have 20 more, or sorry, 22 more picks here to wrap up the first round of the NFL draft. I'm going to go a little bit faster here with this second kind of two thirds of the draft. Uh, I think for the most part, we only have one more quarterback that we're kind of anticipating still, you know, kind of floating out there. couple of good wide receivers, one of which I'm going to take now at number 11. And with the 11th overall pick, the New York Giants select Jamar Chase. Now, in realistically, I would be shocked if Jamar Chase made it out of the top 10 he is too electric his upside is too valuable i would be genuinely shocked but last year i would remind you guys 
C.D. Lamp, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, all of those guys at one point or another were projected to be within the top 10 picks, and none of them went in the top 10. In fact, I have the 2020 NFL draft left uh, right here in front of me. Henry Ruggs went 12th, Jerry Judy went 15, and C.D. Lamb went 17, right? So there is a chance that he falls this late. I don't think it's likely to happen. Uh, in my mock draft, I have more offensive tackles going that high because I think what we saw last year was guys like Tristan Wirfs and Makai Becton who were projected to be late fifth, you know, 15 and on kind of draft picks all start to get taken higher and higher up. Even was Andrew Thomas, right? The, the tackle from Georgia last year. Uh, yeah. Andrew Thomas went to the uh, giants at number four, which was a huge shock. He was projected to kind of be in that 11, 12 range, you know, different people value positions differently and quarterback and, and tackle are always going to be at the top in that first tier underneath that. You're going to look at your DNs, your cornerbacks, your wide receivers, you know, some skill position guys who can really make a difference. And then of course your running backs have more than, you know, in, in recent history have fallen out of the first round. But if Jamar chase is on the board and you're at 11, you're the New York giants. You have a quarterback who you're still developing. You invested in a tackle last year, whether Andrew Thomas works out or not. Well, you know, we will see, but you have someone with the talent who can be a franchise left tackle. There, a guy you're hoping to be your franchise quarterback in Danny dimes. And then of course you have Saquon Barkley coming off of an injury, Evan Ingram, that offense could be really, really dangerous. Uh, and we've seen too, like they've had Sterling Shepard and golden Tate uh, and, and Darius Slayton. Like they've had good, talented wide receivers but no one who compares to what jamar chase can do and so whether you have to cut golden tate or cut sterling shepherd or one of those guys to make room for jamar chase you do it in a heartbeat because he is just a generational talent at the wide receiver position we're looking at a guy who could be the next tyreek hill like he could be that much of a game changer that is what the upside of jamar chase is no doubter you take him at number 11 if you're the new york giants yeah, you have to. You have to. If he falls that far, um, yeah. And again, I don't think he will, um, but but you have to. Uh, they, you're right. Their their receiving core has been relatively stacked with pretty decent guys over the past couple of years. Um, in in um, Showtime Tate and uh, and Darius Slayton and uh, I almost said Victor Cruz. <laughs> Who the hell am I thinking of? Um, no, but. Uh, um, I think you get. I, I think you get. You're. You're right. You get rid of. If you're going to keep one of those three guys uh, that you have uh, in your receiving core, I think it's Darius Slayton. He has the most upside. He's younger um, than the other two. He's really um, good out of the slot too. So I think you, you pair you him would, exactly. Yeah. You pair him I, out of the slot keep, with with Jamar going up top. Yeah. And you would keep a, Sterling Shepard. I think you would. You yeah, would want to keep Dick exactly. Slayton and Shepard. You can play Slayton out of the slot. That's when you can use him at his most effective, uh, and, and you can get from there. What about you, Vito? Anything more to add on Jamar Chase? No, can take him if you have. If you're at the top ten and he's there, you take him and you run. That's a yeah. guy who I don't care what your needs are. That's how Calvin Ridley ends up next to Julio Jones. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. that's that kind of situation. No, absolutely, absolutely. And I and I I actually had a wide receiver as one of the top target positions for the Giants, even though they do have a lot of good guys. But I think more realistically, I think Jalen Waddle is someone who could be there for the Giants, uh, it, it, depending on how the draft shakes out. But look, the draft you know, throws us through a loop every single year. Uh, I'm excited to go. But now we're going to go to our 12th overall pick. And we're kind of, this feels like in the draft when they bring in like, oh, this hometown fan won a contest to announce 
the, the next pick for the San Francisco 49ers at number 12 overall. Scotty Miller, who are you taking? For my San Francisco 49ers, if you can see my background and my hat, my San Francisco for that's a Giants hat, but not 49ers. My San Francisco 49ers at number 12 overall take Rashawn Slater, Northwestern University. Uh, he's versatile. Um, he can play outside. He can play tackle. He can play guard. He can play center. <clears throat> here's, here's another guy who is, is a mauler, uh, similar to, to Penny Sewell. He gets out on blocks. Um, he can block great in the run game, which is great for Raheem Mostert if Mostert stays healthy. But that running back room is constantly rotating in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Um, so the more – and Jimmy G can't throw. So the more we can run, the better. Um, um, I don't I, – it's hard for me. I, I wanted to go cornerback here because um, because we're losing so much. Um, I, I We had Farley go at uh, number nine overall to Denver and then um, – and then um, Patrick Sertan to Dallas at, at uh, number 10. <clears throat> but uh, we have so many cornerbacks leaving, or that are in free agency at least in the offseason. I'm not saying they're going to leave. We got Sherman. We got Verrett. Who else? We got Deont- or Dante Johnson, uh, Kilo Weatherspoon, and, uh, and uh, Jamar Taylor. All of them are, are free agents at cornerback. And we, I think that's a huge need. Um, so – Ideally, the Niners go out and get one of those two guys uh, in free agency and then draft one of the, the two top cornerbacks, either Farley or Sertan. Uh, if you don't get that, this is where I go offensive line. Um, they, they're going to have to rely. McGlinchey had a down year last year. I hope he picks it up um, on, the, on the right side. Trent Williams is the only guy left. There's another free agent the 49ers have to re-sign. Um, but... Um, if, if you're going to leave Trent Williams to be the, the number one guy on, on your offensive line, uh, guess what? Uh, teams are going to throw their best defensive end at him all day long, and he's going to wear out. Um, and that's especially true in a division where we have two teams now, now with J.J. Watt signing with the Cardinals. We have two teams with premier uh, defensive linemen and pass rushers, um, the Cardinals with J.J. Watt and, uh, and Chandler Jones and, and the Rams with uh, – obviously with Aaron Donald and the, uh, the stacked defensive line they have. So I go offensive line here, Rashawn Slater at, at uh, number 12. Yeah. I have Rashawn Slater as my number two offensive lineman in the draft this year. He's got all the physical tools you need. Another guy who was an opt out. Uh, but look, the big 10 does a great job of producing offensive linemen. And, and historically they've done that at, at a better clip than most other conferences. Obviously the sec just puts out a little bit of everything. It seems like uh, I, I, I think, like you said, like you still have a lot of future. Uh, I think there's a lot of football left within McGlinchey and uh, the guy from from who came Trent from Williams. Washington, Trent Williams. Yeah. I want to say Trent Richardson, which is just not oh, gosh. at all the same. Not, not the uh, right guy from Washington. No, <laughs> I would I would look to target somewhere else uh, other than Rashawn Slater in my mock draft. I have them taking Mac Jones here i think mac jones oh wow you go quarterback and i said this to to scotty here before we started and Vito, i'd love your thought process on it is mac jones can mac jones not replicate what matt ryan was able to do in atlanta with with kyle shanahan as his offensive coordinator because that's how i look at it right because you're not going to ask him to do too much physically i think if you're san francisco you would rather have one of the other top four prospects ahead of them but i don't see why mac jones couldn't 
do exactly what Matt Ryan did with a team that has good wide receiving weapons, wants to run the ball a lot and already has a solid offensive line. You're going to get Nick Bosa back on the defensive side. I think Mac Jones could be perfect and you wouldn't have to waste any draft capital to move up and get him. Okay. I I disagree with you here because Mm, you just said Mac Jones can do what Matt Ryan did for Kyle Shannon. What in an MVP? Like, you know what I mean? That's yes. a huge, Maybe not to the huge, same level. huge difference though. You're just yes. saying, I know, Let's but my point make is that happen, please. I'm not saying I, he's right? going to do that as a rookie. I'm just saying that he, I do no, not think that Mac Jones has the capability to get to that at some point. I think all of these quarterbacks do, but I think initially saying that he like, just because it's, it's Kyle Shannon's offense that he can become Matt Ryan now. No. Is it more likely? Cause he's working with a quarterback driven offensive coordinator now head coach right that thinks that way yes but i also i i guess what i'm saying is i don't like to compare a lot of these guys to um what what the current quarterbacks are being asked to do or whatever the scheme is right now teams change so much and and like how i mean i would love to see this stat and i know i'm asking and and i should probably look this up now and figure it out but how many quarterbacks like what are what are the average head coaches that a quarterback has in the nfl like I've, it's over a three, probably. Yeah. So like, average, you think? I, I for, for a quarterback so over five years, yeah. 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 Like, like there's some. I would think off. I would think it's probably somewhere between two and three. But let me add another wrinkle in for you. Do you remember who was on staff for that Atlanta Falcons team when they went to the Super Bowl? Steve Sarkeesian. Steve Sarkeesian was the offensive coordinator for Alabama this year who worked with Mac Jones. And we talked about this before Sark said he was able to give more for Mac Jones to download from a football perspective than any other quarterback he's ever worked with at the college level. I'm not saying it's a lock. I'm just saying there are similarities in the offense. There were weapons in place. There's a solid offensive line there. They have a core foundation. They were in the Super Bowl just a year ago, right? I'm not saying Mac and Jones is going to quarterback. Take, you're right. I'm not <laughs> saying Mac that. Jones is going to take you there, but I think Mac Jones is ceiling and you're going to put him with a guy who works well with quarterbacks who has ties to a similar offense. And if Kyle Shanahan calls up Steve Sarkeesian, he's going to know Mac Jones as well as anybody. And I think that could be a perfect place where we see the 49ers take it. I like this. I like it. I'm not like saying he's going to come in and be Matt Ryan. I totally get that. You're right. I oh, shouldn't, I I shouldn't have led that. in saying that he was going to be an MVP right off the bat. That's not what I was saying. I'm just saying I think there's enough there between the offense. Because, look, you don't need a mobile quarterback in that offense. You don't. The running game is going to come from their running backs and the offensive line. You need a quarterback who's going to make the right decision, who can take good deep shots. And Vito, you talk about all the time, huh. Jimmy G missed the deep ball. Mac Jones throws I, arguably the best deep ball out of any quarterback in this year's class. That's I like all that. I'm saying. I like now it. to get to your pick. Like I said, Rashawn Slater, great call. I think I think he would he would help <laughs> there, but I think there is already t- enough talent at the offensive line, and I think if if you're bringing in Rashawn Slater, you want him to be a tackle, not a guard. I don't think you want to move him around. Maybe McGlinchey yeah. you move down, but again, I think he's better suited to play I, that. He's right better on the spot. tackle. Yeah, agreed. Um, I just, it's, it's one of those, again, another collision of, um, best player available at a spot that we probably could use help in. Everyone needs Um, depth on the offensive line. Yeah, exactly. So, um, that's where I'm covered. Now the Niners are a big, uh, in most mock drafts I've seen are a big trade spot. So we'll see what happens. Absolutely. Vito, you're up now the 13th overall pick. Justin right. Herbert was taken last year. Who do you get them taking with the Los Angeles Chargers at 13? 
Well, you know what? I'm going to go Vera Tucker from USC, staying mm-hmm. in LA, uh, get on that offensive line train. Um, and he has a little more flexibility. I know he's played tackle and guard, but um, it's, it's just one of those spots where like you're talking about depth, it always matters, but a guy who's versatile is just always so valuable. Um, especially if he can turn out to be just a starter again, one of those 10 year, 12 year starters. Um, it's crazy how long linemen last in the NFL still, but anyway, that's who I'm going with. What do you guys think? I think, I think it's a great pick. Uh, I like my, that. my comp for him this year was Makai Becton. Now he, he's not the physical freak that Makai Becton was, but he is extremely athletic for his size. He's got great length. He's got a great build. He's the frame that you want out of your, out of your franchise left tackle. But the reason I say Makai Becton is because he is raw, similarly to how Makai Becton was and the way that he turned it on down the stretch. We saw that USC team have a really good, because remember the Pac-12 didn't play until like October of this like the end of October early November was when the Pac-12 started playing football this season so he didn't get a full a full season's worth in but I absolutely think he was a big reason why that USC offense was good and I know Oregon ended up winning the championship in the Pac-12 but I think uh, Vera Tucker was a huge reason there I think that's a great pick the one caveat here is and this is part of the thing we just don't know yet you know their their new head coach is uh, Brandon Staley is a defensive coach and the chargers need help on the defensive side of the ball. My mock, I had them taking, I'm going to butcher this name. I know, but uh, Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa, who is a linebacker from Notre, Notre Dame, from Notre Dame, yeah. who I think is there's, this is a stack. That's a reach. Core. I think. Um, it might be a little bit. I think a lot, I think you could see him go in the middle of the first round. I think he's got that Devin white upside. He's not quite the athlete that those guys are, but he's just someone who gets his you know nose in it for all the time. I think it's a great pick though, Vito. I think he, again, you want to protect your franchise quarterback. You have offensive weapons there. Uh, Jalen Waddle would be sick to see with Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen, right? Like that would be a phenomenal wide yeah. receiver room. But again, this year we've seen how deep it is at the wide receiver position in free agency. And I think they could be a team that's going to target a Kenny Galladay, somebody like that to go in and play in that pretty new stadium out in LA. Uh, That leaves me up with the Minnesota Vikings. And with the 14th pick in the draft, I am taking Gregory Russo. He's a defensive end out of Miami. All right. So he's another guy who's an opt out from this year, but the 2019, like way too early draft and everything else Uh, Todd McShay had him as a top 10 pick. He is a a freak of nature athletically. He is a phenomenal pass rusher, a lot of fun to watch. I think he could make a huge difference uh, for that Minnesota team. When you look at it and you go, all right, they need offensive line help. But in this draft, you see the top three tackles are all taken. All right, maybe you take your chances somewhere in free agency. They have a, a decent secondary, but they could be improved. The top two cornerbacks are gone here. So now you're going to look at pass rushers. We saw them make the move for Ngakwe last year. It didn't work out. He ends up finishing the season in Baltimore. I think Gregory Russo was a perfect fit for what they want to do. Uh, and, and for a guy like Mike Zimmer, who has made his name and his career on the defensive side of the ball, I think this is a no-brainer and, and really good value getting him at 14. Yeah, they haven't had a, 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 a good – pass rusher since everson griffin um i think right in in minnesota and uh and that's a good spot for that and you're right the defensive minded head coach in um uh, in greg's or uh yeah greg zimmer um mike zimmer mike zimmer thank you um is it's that's a good spot for him um 
top quarterbacks are off the board. I think I'm Mac Jones is left. Um, um, so why wait at this point to get, to get a good pass rusher that, that, uh, I, the, the comp I have is like, uh, like a Calais Campbell sort of guy. Hmm. Um, um, so that's, that's something that, uh, that Minnesota needs there. I mean, they're solid on the offensive end. Um, his measurables are crazy. You got to go defense here. Like I could see him, I could see him jumping up draft boards after pro day and, and whatnot, and teams get a better look. But look, with with no combine this year, it throws such a weird wrinkle into this whole process. I don't know, uh, Vito, you got anything on Gregory Russo? No, I, I think it fits what you guys are talking about, especially defensive coach. And and for some reason, like we talked about in our fantasy podcast over the last year, it was how explosive that offense was. And they really do need to shore up that defensive side. So I, I like this pick a lot, especially up front. Love it. All right, Scotty, you're up. Big Bill Belichick Ooh. and the New England Patriots drafting at 15. I don't remember the last time I've seen the Patriots drafting this high. Belichick, not 30s, historically, yeah. <laughs> not a very good drafter. He has struggled, especially over the last decade or so, to surround guys, you know, immediate talent impacts. Who do you have the Patriots taking here? at 15 on a depleted roster it needs help at 15 overall the new england patriots select jalen waddle wide Ooh. receiver alabama um it's too chalky to uh, mac jones is probably going to be the pick but that's too chalky to me um i think uh you can find a, a stopgap quarterback um just to get you through uh, but they have literally zero weapons on offense like none at all yeah um um who's the kid from arizona state that's Nikhil harry has been largely a bust um uh they need they need a guy who can solidify and become a leader in that in that wide receiving core um whoever's thrown to him and at that point it won't matter yeah Um, but they they need a young talent at wide receiver um waddle is is honestly i think probably um maybe the best of all of these guys at wide receiver he'll end up to be, but, uh, but yeah, I think they go wide receiver there. Jalen Waddle. And yeah, he, he, he very well could. I mean, Waddle is, is a stud. Like I think the year Devonte Smith had obviously Waddle had the broken ankle earlier on the year. He even came back and played the national championship a little bit and you could tell he just wasn't quite a hundred percent. And even him at like 60% still had a couple of awesome catches. Uh, it goes to show you how talented and look going into this year, Everyone was talking about Jalen Waddle out of that wide receiver room. They weren't talking about Devontae Smith and him getting injured. And then Devontae Smith basically taking on the mantle of, I need to replace his production plus my production in order for us to get to where we want to go. Uh, it speaks a lot about Devontae Smith, but it also speaks a lot about how talented and how vital uh, Jalen Waddle can be as a prospect. Vito, what are your thoughts on Jalen Waddle going to the Patriots? Yeah, I mean, I, I would have gone Mac Jones here. Um with what we have available yeah. with him falling, but I'm a little mad because I was honestly going to pick him next. So <laughs> that's where I'm at. I, I, uh, I would have loved to have seen Jalen Waddle the opposite go. side on Arizona of, of Hopkins, but you know, oh, that would have been sick. Yeah. Well, so here's, here's an interesting thing. You know, we're not, I guess we're not doing trades in this, but I think if new England doesn't take Mac Jones, because I think it, the narrative has been largely driven about Mac Jones being a perfect fit in new England 
and it's it's really not like it's really not a perfect fit based off of what's historically Bill Belichick is wanting to do. And also there's always been this talk about Bill Belichick wanting to have a mobile quarterback. And it's been something he's driven for a while. I think the idea of going and getting Jalen Waddle now and then see, like you said, get somebody who's talented in place and then focus on the long term. I could see New England trading out of this spot because I think this is a prime spot where people where other teams may want to jump up and get Mac Jones. I think this could be a really interesting trade destination uh, to see someone who, you know, maybe like Washington or Chicago who wants to go up and, and, and likes Mac Jones or the Niners trading back. Yeah. Well, similarly, it's like how the, the Niners trading back. Like I, I could see new England kind of going either way, but I think that's such a depleted roster that trading back would actually be a way for them to pick up more draft capital to help yeah. fix the thing, but it's a great pick either way. Vito Arizona at 16. Who do you got? I'm going to go J.C. Horn, cornerback out of South Carolina. I I think just with Patrick Peterson, like we said, just free agency, you don't really know what's going on there. I I think you just need to get a guy. um, You know, again, they just signed J.J. Watt. You know they're kind of going defensively, and and I guess that's what I was leading to. I think they might draft defensively, and and this is where I'm going with them. I I think it's a great pick. Um, You know, I I think J.C. Horn is another guy who has – incredible upside i saw some video this week he's been working with jalen ramsey he's built kind of similar to him i think i think he's just another guy who i I really like the intangibles that he brings to the game uh and look when you're playing at south carolina you know take that with a grain of salt but will muschamp is an awesome defensive mind and i think he got a lot of great you know a lot of great pointers got a lot of great coaching there while he was at uh south carolina was a gamecock still one of the funniest mascots of all time scotty and joe thoughts horn's on- son yeah he is joe horn's thought son yeah joe horn's son that's hard to yeah say. i i like i like the pick um i if the niners were to reach for a court a cornerback at any point i would be okay with them taking jc horn at 12 and it's a bit of a reach not uh not great um value there maybe um but maybe it works out i i i, I like this pick i do um he's he's the third he's the third best cornerback in the draft. Also the coolest way to spell JC I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> J A Y C E E. I think that's so that's sick. Uh, I would love to see that for Arizona. Uh, I'm up now with the Las Vegas Raiders. Now this is an interesting pick because it doesn't seem like Derek Carr is going to get traded, but I could see Gruden falling in love with a guy like Mac Jones. I don't think they're going to go that route. They've also spent a lot of capital in the past on the safety <clears> position <throat> without it working out. And there is one clear number one safety in this draft. That's Trevon uh, Morig. I believe it's how his last name is pronounced. He's safety out of TCU. Who's a stud, but since he's still on the board on uh, compared to where my big board is, I'm going Jeremiah Owusu Koromal. And he is the Notre Dame linebacker. You look at that defense last year, they need an anchor. They need somebody to anchor that defense. They have individual pieces. They really need uh, pass rushing. You know, Max Crosby's not going <clears> to <throat> for them alone, but they have some talent. Jonathan Abrams in the back, uh, in the back end of the defense has shown promise when he's been healthy. He just hasn't been on the field, but I think we're looking at a guy who could potentially be a franchise linebacker. And again, he's out of the tape that I have watched, He is among my favorite uh, as far as just a guy who flies over the field and watching linebacker tape is so much fun, especially when the dude is lights out. So I like that pick. Any reaction from you guys? Jeff, we know that we're, we're, we're linebacker. You at Penn state. We love that pick. Are you though? Oh yeah. yeah, Big time. 
Come on. So, Who's the last linebacker before Parsons? Who's who's who was going to be this? Paul Plesnay. Jason Cabinda. Get, get out of here. Uh, at one point, we had Navarro Bowman, who Navarro Bowman, who was, I partied I with in Scott, college. Scott and the had, Niners drafted him. Navarro Bowman because he's a Niner too. Yeah, he was a star. We, we have plenty. Uh, the uh, the real question is, I think what what happens next year? I want to see uh, Scott. Where are you going with Miami? Oh, you ready for this? Are you ready for this? <laughs> da, 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 da. Okay. Uh, at number 18 overall, the Miami – this is my second Miami Dolphins pick, by the way. You owe me, Miami. By uh, Just 305 till I die. Let's go. Give me some, give me some love. <laughs> Miami Dolphins at 18. Select Quiddy Pay, defensive end out of Michigan. Ooh. Ooh. I right. love this kid. I love him. I think – he he's a steal if he goes in in the mid round here, late mid round. Um, this is this is a part of the the. This is a number one defense overall. I uh, number one or number two is a top top three for sure. Uh, we'll get stats and info on it, but it's it's been a great defense. Um, <clears throat> what better place for a kid who's maybe a bit of a raw prospect? Um, out of Michigan, he he had the chance he's got a chance to move into this up round uh, upper in the first round because he's, he's got some upside. Um, he only had one year as a starter at Michigan, but when he was out there, the dude plays hard. And if, if he knew his story, you knew why he played hard. There was a great uh, piece during college game day uh, in the middle of the season about it. Phenomenal guy, phenomenal family. Um, I'm rooting for the guy. I really am. No matter where he goes, even if it's Seattle, I just, um, but th- Phenomenal player too. Uh, if we're talking X's and O's in the draft here, um, he's a guy who can get pressure off the edge. Uh, he's he's kind of like uh, a guy, it's sort of like what we were talking about with JJ Watt at this point, uh, where he can pressure the quarterback, maybe not get to him right, um, but he has that kind of presence on the defensive line that that uh, is is a game changer if he goes to the right spot. And I think Miami is a great place to do that. Yeah, you know, I, he's a guy with, a, like you said, has a lot of upside, and we saw him produce at a pretty high level at Michigan. My concern with him in Miami is going to be how he fits schematically, right? Because they run a 3-4 base defense. Now, there is no tr- there's no such thing as a base defense anymore because of how teams change it and whether you're bringing in nickel, dime packages and whatnot. You know, it, it moves around. They have Christian Wilkins at, at what would they would be their lefty end, which is more of a three technique kind of spot. I think he can produce there. I think he'd probably have to put on a little more weight. I think he would just kind of have to really dive into it. I think I like him better as a, as an edge guy rather than a three technique D end, but Brian Flores and everything being a defensive mind. I really like him as a coach. I think he could get the most out of him. Uh, Vito, you're a massive big 10 guy. Any thoughts here on uh, pay going to the Miami dolphins? No, I, 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 no thoughts really. I, I hadn't really thought of that. I, I more had, um, I had a couple other thoughts at that spot, but I'm, I'm not going to mention them right now because I'm about to make a couple picks here, I think with them. So, <laughs> well, you're up now with the Washington football team looking for a quarterback. Maybe who do you have the football team taking with the 19th overall pick? I mean, for that, I think it's just Mac Jones. You, you can't, this is where just don't get too smart. Don't overthink yourself. Take Mac Jones one second on the clock or one second into your time. Have that, have that card ready, have that card ready two picks before yours and just be waiting up there. Because if you 
get Mac Jones at number 19, you've just crushed it. So, um, you know, I think that's, that's the pick. What do you guys think? I don't think he'll be there. I think someone's going to trade up and, and, and take him within the top 15, obviously. Including you know, Washington. I think if, Washington might be one of those teams that trades up. Agreed. I, absolutely. I, I could see Washington making a move now, like moving from, from 19 all the way up into the top 10 to take one of the top tier guys is really hard to do. And you really have to bet the horses. I mean, we saw the Eagles do it to move up to get Carson Wentz just a couple of years ago, right? They had to move up to number, I think it was 12 or 11, and then they had to move up to get to number two. So it's going to take a couple of jumps and some uh, interesting maneuvering, but it's worth noting that Washington has brought in, I think they have four former GMs in their front office right now. So there's a lot of brain power in the front office for Washington, which they haven't had for a long time. So maybe they were able to figure out a way to move up and get somebody. But I think, look, if, if Mac Jones is there at 19, I think it's a great fit. Uh, you know, they have some pieces on the offense. Antonio Gibson had a great rookie year. I think we're all pretty high uh, on the receiving core there. Obviously, Terry McLaurin kind of headlining that group. Uh, I, I love that. I, I think that's a great spot for Mac Jones to land. And with yeah, that... I- we go to the next. Sorry, Scott. Do you have something more, Mac Jones? No, I was just. Go. I was going to say I agree. That's uh, that's Washington's on my my radar of teams that that Mac Jones can go to. If we're doing a hashtag Mac Jones watch, uh, <laughs> that's 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 one of the four or five teams I think. Well, and I think one of the other teams that falls under that is who's picking at number twenty, which is the Chicago yeah. Bears, right? Because I don't think Mitch Trubisky's coming back this year, guys, <laughs> and. They're in a weird spot because traditionally GMs, they look at opportunities to be like, hey, if we get a rookie quarterback this year, maybe we'll get a little bit of a longer leash from the owner before they can us, right? And we're looking at Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy there kind of running the show in Chicago. Uh, I think they make a move to go up and try to find a quarterback, but if they don't and they decide to you know, kind of like maybe you, you do that one year extension with Mitch Trubisky or you rock with Nick Foles. I don't, I don't know what you do in Chicago. I don't know what the quarterback situation is there. And to be honest, it's tough to pick right now, but if I'm going to pick somebody, they need help on the offensive line. So I'm going to go with Christian Darisau, who is a tackle from Virginia tech, really, really solid prospect, lower ceiling than some of the other tackles here, but he's got a higher floor. He can play guard or tackle. I think he's built a little more to be a tackle. So my guess is Chicago would kind of push him out to the side. That defense doesn't need much help. You know, there are certain guys you can look at Morig, right? You can look at Jalen Phillips from Miami, but that's not what they need. I don't think they, there's been some mocks that have them going after Kadarius Tony, the wide receiver out of Florida, who I'd like. Yeah. But again, I just don't think that's what they need right now. I think they need to shore up that offensive line. Your best offensive player is uh, David Montgomery. So you you need to to find a well, way to make David Montgomery – well, not including – Offensive player that's not a free agent, yeah. <laughs> exactly, because I don't think Allen Robinson's coming back I, to Chicago. Yeah, There's I don't no think love so loss either. there. So I like yeah. Christian Darisau as the, uh, the next pick there, tackle out of Virginia Tech. Two Virginia Tech players being drafted in the top 20. It's enough hokey, to make hokey, my, hokey, hi. It's enough to make my stomach turn. Uh, all right, here we go. Indianapolis <laughs> here at 21 – to Scotty Miller, who are you taking here at 21? At 21, the Indianapolis Colts selects, and I'm surprised he fell this far, Jalen Phillips, defensive end, Miami. Um, this is a spot that Indianapolis needs to shore up. Um, uh, I mean, 
it's it was clear in in the even in the playoff game they couldn't get to Josh Allen. Um, they were pressuring him a little bit, but it didn't it didn't affect uh, a quarterback of that caliber. So you need a guy who can get off the edge and get to the quarterback. Um, that's a good defense, and you throw a guy like that in there to bolster it and 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 replace some uh, some of the pieces. Um, you know, I think Jalen Jalen Phillips. He was here's he another opt out, um, but he had a monster. Oh no, he played after Russo, uh, Gregory Russo, Russo dropped opted out. out. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and he had a monster year uh, at Miami. So I like, I like uh, Jalen Phillips here as the defensive end for it's a great pick. It's a great pick veto to you, Tennessee. We're going to speed up here and knock out these last 10 picks 21, sorry, 22 Tennessee Titans. Who do you got? Okay. So here's where I'm going with my, another one of my boys, Jason Oway, defensive end Penn state. Ooh, wow. They need a rusher and uh, I'm going, I'm that's where I'm going. <laughs> That wow, is, that's high for that's Jason. That's high, I, but again, it's a team that needs an edge rusher, and, and, I, and I think if you're looking at it from that perspective, based off of who's left on the board, I think that's a that's a good pick. Uh, I like that a lot. New York Jets from the Seattle Seahawks. All right, so this is again the second pick for the Jets here. I'm going to have them taking Kadarius Tony. Uh, I think if you're bringing in Zach Wilson, you got to bring in weapons for him. They have their franchise left tackle. The defense showed some signs of life. You can go out and get some guys. I think if you bring in Kadarius Tony, and then you go out and you sign a Marvin Jones Jr., right? One of those kind of second tier wide receiver options you're going to give. And the thing about Tony is you can use him in a, a tons of different ways, whether it's going to be on jet sweeps in the running game. There's so many different things that you can get out of Kadarius Tony. I think it's a great fit for the New York Jets. And, and you got to, if you're going to bring in a franchise quarterback, and then you're also going to be picking number 23 overall it's smart to be able to go out and get him a weapon as well. Which yeah, brings I, us right to uh, Scotty. You're taking for the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Stullers. Oh God. How do I sabotage them? Um, you don't. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. I can't stand them. Uh, let's see. At 24, I'll have the Pittsburgh Steelers taking uh, another Michigan guy, Jalen Mayfield, a tackle out of Michigan. Um, this is another spot. I, I was back and forth on this one between um, between Etienne and uh, the running back out of Clemson and uh, and an offensive lineman. Um, I think they need to shore up some of that offensive line. Big Ben got pressured a little too much last year, especially and including the uh, the uh, playoff game against a stacked defensive line that the uh, Cleveland Browns have, and that's in their division. So um, any way that they can – now, if Ben doesn't re-sign with uh, – and with the, the Steelers and Juju doesn't resign, then maybe you look somewhere else um, on the offense. But um, I don't think a running back's a good call here. Maybe if, if, if Ben doesn't resign, then you go running back. But uh, I think the tackle right now is, is the way to go for Pittsburgh. Yeah. You're going to be, you got to be worried about Villanueva. I think they, have, they might have to replace him this year. And then obviously Marquise Pouncey's retirement. Um, yep. I, yeah. I had, I had Landon Dickerson going there, the center out of Alabama coming off of an Same. injury, but I think he could be, you know, I think either one of those, I, I like Jalen Mayfield a lot as well. All right. Another pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars veto. Who do you got joining Trevor Lawrence down in Jacksonville? I have Trevon joining Trevor and Ooh. Trevon Morig. I always miss, I, I've missed yeah. you know, a few times, Morig, but yeah. Trevon Morig and uh, second pick for Jacksonville, second elite guy. I can't believe he's fallen this far. Honestly, I think he's just a top tier dude. And uh, 
really excited to see him. You know, you get a leader on the offense, leader on the defense. Let's go play ball. Yeah. I, Jamal I, Adams. Yeah. I think that's a great spot to have him down there in Jacksonville. I, I you know, I think he, he's one of those guys who can do a little bit of everything. He doesn't specialize in coverage or run stopping and he played in the big 12. So he's used to covering a lot of, you know, a lot of passing you know, games there. So I think that'd be a great fit there because that defense, you know, you want an anchor, whether it's at the linebacking core up front or in the back end, you want to have at least one guy that you can kind of anchor on. I think he's got the potential to do that at 26, the Cleveland Browns. I have them taking here who this guy's going to be my favorite player in the class. And, and I'm telling you this now, he's the most underrated prospect. Uh, if you watch his tape jumps off the screen, Zaven Collins, linebacker from Tulsa. Uh, this kid is insane. He reminds me a little bit of Isaiah Simmons. He doesn't quite have the coverage side in the coverage game that Isaiah Simmons had, but when you talk about, you can use him anywhere. You want to blitz him. You want to play pure inside linebacker. You want to move him on the outside. He can do a little bit of everything for you. Uh, if you haven't gotten a, a chance to watch him play, he gets kind of shit on a little bit because he played at Tulsa. This kid is a stud. I cannot wait to watch him come in. And I think if you're Cleveland, it's a team that has a solid secondary. You have Miles Garrett up front. You have Sheldon Richardson on the front line, right? They have a decent defensive line. The one area where they really could use a game changer is Zayvon Collins. And I think he's going to be the guy who is going to jump up draft boards. And if Cleveland can get him at 26, I think it's an absolute steal because he might end up being the best linebacker out of this entire class. And that's not taking anything away from Micah Parsons or uh, Jeremiah Osuwu uh, Koromoa. I'm never going to be able to say that name right. We just call him JOK from now on because that name's so freaking hard to say. Uh, not taking like anything JOK. away from those guys. They're really, really good. Zayvon Collins is special, and, and I think that the film speaks for itself. Uh, Baltimore up now at number 27 to you, Scotty. Who do you have the Ravens taking at the end of the first round? At 27, you need a wide receiver, but guess what? You're going offensive tackle, Alex Leatherwood out of Alabama. Ooh, Alex I Leatherwood, like a bit of a stretch here. But guess what? You just lost one of the generational talents at, at on your offensive line in Marshall Yonda um, in retirement. <clears throat> so I think you need to replace him with, with, uh, with a big guy like Leatherwood. He can play both spots, tackle and guard. And uh, it's like, like we were talking about at the beginning of the, at the top of the podcast here, he's a former five-star recruit, excellent strength. I'm, I'm going to get a little Mel Kuyper in here. Excellent strength, good length, good, good, good run blocking, great athleticism to block the elite college rushers. I think he can do a great job here in Baltimore. Uh, no, it, it's, it's that's uh, a really good Mel Kuyper. Impressive. Yeah. You know, it's, it's all about the lists anyway. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, man, uh, uh, tackle to, uh, to replace Marsh, the generational Marshall Yanda in yeah. Baltimore. And you know, Ronnie Stanley went down, they just gave him that massive extension and we don't, we're not sure when he's going to make time, you know, make it back. I think Leatherwood's a great pick. He's someone who has kind of started to fall out of the, t out of the first round. Cause I think there's a lot of people who are high on some of the other tackles that are available, but I think that's a really good pick and, and I'm a big fan of it. Vito. You have, uh, I wish I could draft fantasy as well as I'm drafting today. I mean, Jesus. Vito, you got the Nolan Saints. You yeah. Taking? You know, I'm going down to the swamp and I'm taping my boy Aziz with me. We're going, we're go. going <laughs> off. I mean, I, I think you, you just, you can't get enough rushers. And, and I think this is a good spot for him. Aziz Ojolari, awesome linebacker. He can, again, kind of do a little bit of everything. I think, you know, we talk about L linebacker you, Georgia has had has produced some really really high quality linebackers here in the last couple of years. 
And I think that's a fantastic pick. I could also see, I could see him. He's one of those guys I could see going anywhere from 15 to like early second round. Uh, I think there it, it's one of the problems in a COVID year when we don't have uh, you know, normal combine, but I think he's, he's, that's a great spot for them. And one of the weak parts of that new Orleans defense last year was the linebacking core. And I think that could be a great fit. Uh, I'm curious to see what they're going to do with quarterback here too, because they're not really in a position. I think they're just going to end up bringing Jameis back here as well. The green Bay Packers. There's a lot of places, you know, a lot of, a lot of different positions you can go here. Probably uh, quarterback, right? Yeah. Cause they don't have enough already. Uh, you know, part of me thought, you know, someone like Rondale Moore out of Purdue, you know, he was one of the Belindikoff finalists a couple of years ago when Purdue made that great run under Jeff Brom. Uh, I don't think they're going to go wide receiver here. I think they target somebody in free agency, though. And I'm going to end up going with Alabama defensive tackle Christian Barmore, who is a fantastic run-stuffing D-tackle. You know, I think that's the one aspect of this Green Bay defense that they could really stand to improve. We, they have Zadarius Smith on the outside. They have Jair Alexander in the secondary. You know, and they have, they've had a couple of good linebackers there for the last couple of years, though. You know, they've kind of moved on from some of them. I think – Bringing in Christian Barmore, who in any other draft would probably be a top 20 pick. Uh, I, I think just because of the offensive talent that's there, the quarterback depth, wide receiver depth, that, that is a position that is pushing the top tier talent, like similarly to safety, as we saw uh, the kid from TCU drop there in, in our draft here as well. I think uh, Christian Barmore is a steal for the Packers at 29. Uh, Scotty, you have the Buffalo Bills drafting at 30. Who you got? Bills Mafia. Guess what? You're getting Najee Harris, running back out of Alabama. Uh, Probably, I would think the only running back in the first round, but look, you got uh, the defensive end is, or the the defensive line is strong. Um, They could have used a guy like like J.J. Watt. That would have been nice in free agency, but the defensive line is still strong. They got a lot of young guys. Receiving core is unbelievable. You got a great uh, top three quarterback in the NFL and Josh Allen. What's missing? The run game. So go out and get a guy like Najee Harris. He's a banger. Um, he's he's he's. Uh, it reminds me of a smaller version of Derrick Henry. Um, yeah, and you can do a little Alabama bit more in the, running back. in the passing game too do, than Derrick exactly. Henry. Yeah, you can do more in the passing game. Now you have Zach Moss and uh, and Devin Singletary there. Um, I think those guys serve as rotation guys. I, none of them really jumped out to me this year. Uh, Najee Harris uh, becomes your number one running back in Buffalo. I like it. I like it a lot. Vito, Kansas City, coming off a Super Bowl loss. Who do you have the Chiefs taking here with their first round draft pick? So I'm glad you mentioned that because I think they're going to look back to that game and it's going to affect how they draft. I think they're going to go in the trenches, which is where they lost that big game. Time. Yep. I think I think you go with a big body Walker Little, he's a tackle out of Stanford. He was mm. injured. He opted out this year. He's injured almost the whole season the year before. Um, and he's 6'7", 315. I think you get a big bruiser at a tackle, and you just line him up. And, uh, again, he hasn't played football in a very long time, but clearly he's very talented, and yeah. and I think it's worth taking there. Well, and Eric Fisher's been around for a long time, you know, and I think on the opposite end, uh, you still have Mitchell Schwartz. When he comes back, he's a top-tier tackle on the right side. So even if you have to move Mitchell Schwartz over to the left – and you bring in Walker Little, I think that's a great pick. He's one of the guys that I have there uh, for Kansas City and for this last team in the first round, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, your defending champions. And look, guys, you know, I could make a much smarter defensive 
choice, a smarter football choice here, but I'm going to go with what's fun because I think ultimately we want to see fun out of the draft and the draft picks to get us excited. And I have Travis Etienne going to the Tampa Bay Bucks there with the last pick in the first round. We just saw the Kansas City Chiefs do the same thing last year with Clyde Edwards-Elair, and it didn't quite work out. But I think Etienne is a better prospect than CEH, who is an awesome player. And I think immediately you're not going to be asking him to do a whole lot. You let Leonard Fournette walk. You keep Ronald Jones. You get Ronald Jones and Travis Etienne. That's your backfield. You have a great third down pass catching back that I think Tom Brady, we know, historically loves having those guys who can catch ball the backfield. Neither one of those guys, whether it was Leonard Fournette or Ronald Jones, excels at catching the ball of the backfield. So targeting someone who could be a, a generate, you know, even if it's just for a few years, I think Travis Etienne can offer so much in the offensive game, run between the tackles, catch the ball in the passing game. He doesn't have the size that Najee Harris does, but in a more specialized role, I think he could be a stud. And I think for the most part, Tampa Bay looks to try to bring back as many of the pieces from this run as they can, which just makes ETN make that much more sense there for the Bucks to finish out the first round of the NFL draft. Now, look, as we said before we started this thing, a lot of stuff's going to change. Free agency is going to change this entire makeup. So I think once free agency ends, we're going to revisit this. We're going to walk through take we're going to keep this list we're going to see if we want to change some stuff maybe do a redraft and see where we're at for our second mock draft but boys this was fun man there's nothing like getting into mock draft season there's nothing like getting ready for the nfl draft so uh that is our first round we're going to put together a little graphic here to show you what our picks were and uh, we're going to send that out on social media as well as some more clips our man scotty behind the scenes chopping up video from our pods this week get that out on our social yeah. media follow so, us on at read option pod at read option pod on instagram and on twitter uh and, and look we just hope you guys enjoy man this is this is one of the most fun times of the year if you are a fan of college football and the nfl because there's nothing like draft season boys there's there's nothing like draft season so for my man Vito and my man scotty thank you boys for giving me time here on this monday afternoon i hope everybody has a wonderful tuesday wednesday thursday whenever you're listening to this pod and we will be back later on this week on the read option take it easy everybody